My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fanhole spinoff show where we talk Transformers all the time and every time. I'm Mike, I'll be your host tonight, uh, and uh, tonight uh, we've got a special guest with us to uh, discuss uh, the rebirth, the three-part uh, series finale of the original uh, Sunbow cartoon. Uh, uh, why don't you say hi, Kyle? Bow weep, brown now weep, ninny bong. Hey, thanks yeah, for having so, me. Yeah, welcome back, yeah. We last had you on to talk about uh, five faces of darkness, so it's only right that we bring you back for the uh, one of the one of the uh, the sequels, I guess. I think I've been on to talk about a Marvel UK story in between there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I totally uh, target two thousand six. I think we did. Um, I'm like Optimus Prime in these episodes. I I don't know. <laughs> he says I don't know like five fucking times in this episode. I feel like. Or, or, or is and your jacket who, colored white on the back, even though normally you wear a yeah, red jacket? Right? I've got a, I've got my animation error jacket on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Who else is here? Five up, five down, like shooting cyber ducks in a barrel. I'm a cyber ninja consultant. This is Derek. Yeah. Talk about the three part uh, again series finale. Like if you want to get, I guess, super technical of the original U.S. broadcast of the Sunbow Transformers cartoon, the rebirth parts one through three uh, written by David Wise, who, who sadly passed away last year and uh, animated by Acom EU. But that's, that's uh, my favorite you know, studio, and, Michael. Yeah. What are you talking about? But, you know, it, it, like I know sometimes it's, you know, it's. Some of the animation errors are charming. Like Kyle, like I know you said you like like you know the animation errors sometimes give you cool like paint schemes for different like characters and stuff. Yeah, there wasn't um, near as many uh, cool ones in the, in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like they got to the end of the series and Acom is Acom was like, hey, we're finally getting the hang of this. Oh, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Only took them ninety eight episodes. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, and in whatever case, if you if you listen to our Five Faces of Darkness episode, you pretty much know the the format and the layout of what we're gonna do. Like, I'll read you know the wiki summaries of each episode, and we'll go episode. Before we do that, though, uh, just curiously, I'll, like I, I always like to you know lead off with a historical like uh, segment. Uh, like what? What was the first? What were the first times you you guys saw these episodes? Like I, I think I didn't see them until they were like repeated on like the Sci Fi Channel. Like I like I didn't. I don't think I knew they existed until the Sci Fi Channel like ran through their thing, and I was like, oh, there's stuff after Return of Optimus Prime. Like I didn't know that. Like oh, cool. Like okay. So like I mean that's when I saw these. But I know Derek. Did you? I assume you saw these like in the wild, right? I I, I did. I I'm pretty sure i probably watched it on ktvu which was channel two out here and when i frequently talk about 
watching the same episodes over and over again and then freaking out when there was a brand new episode like the rebirth part one was one of those where i i think oddly enough it's slightly similar to your story i i would say like the first 12 minutes of this is like you having never seen it because it was one of those things where you got into a rut and it would be like, you'd come home and you'd be like, Oh, it's the same old transformers episode. Oh, it's the same old, you know, it's a rerun. It's a rerun. It's a rerun. And you, you eventually like you're beaten into submission and you just don't even expect it to be new. And you come home and you're clicking on the TV. It's like, it's just going to be another, what? It's not a fucking rerun. Quick, get the VHS tape, run, move, you know? And like, as you're trying to do all this stuff, it's like, I lost like the first, 12 minutes of it or whatever and and so basically what i remember was you know i had a vhs tape that had like you know i don't know like half of part one and then you know i was all ready for part two and part three so like that i probably watched ad nauseum and 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 watched in its first run but as far as uh, that first like you know the 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 sort of opening Autobot city battle and, and, and a lot of blur and hot rods race. Like most of that was like, it, it was almost like it was brand new. I think I, I want to say like either, either like sci-fi channel stuff or when I would borrow like tapes from my, my friend's brother who taped everything. So it's like that, that probably was one of the first times I, I got to see that on a more regular basis, but um, yeah, most of it was was first run. Gotcha. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, so you know, I looked up the uh, air dates for this because I was just curious when these actually aired, and they actually aired uh, about a week or two weeks uh, before I was born. So I did not see them uh, <laughs> first run. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I was born in uh, late November of 1987. These uh, ran, I think it was November 9th through 11th, uh, 1987. And so you know, my introduction to all things Transformers was my dad's youngest brother was watching all this stuff live and, and loved it. And I inherited all his stuff when I was uh, a little kid. So, uh, you know, I had about 30 some, uh, episodes of transformers on tape that some of those he had taped off a of TV and the others were the family home and entertainment, the FHE uh, VHS releases. Mm. Uh, rebirth was not, uh, among those, you know, about a third of the, the series that I had uh, on tape. So, I did not watch these probably until the early 2000s when they were on DVD uh, and I bought the DVD sets. Um, but by that time, you know, I'd gone online and, and found synopsis recaps of every Transformers episode. And that was kind of when I was finally able to kind of piece together the, you know, the kind of the general order of, you know, I just watched these episodes in random order. You know, it'd be a season one episode followed by a season three one that was uh, taped off a of TV. So, uh, you know, obviously with the movie in there, I, you know, I had a rough idea what the the timeline or the continuity was, but it wasn't really until then that you could really kind of place out of, Oh, there's four episodes between these two that I've, I've watched or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I was probably I don't know 13 or 14 when I read the rebirth synopsis. And then it was probably around that time that I got my hands on a DVD copy and were able to finally watch them. So I, I was much more familiar with the, the comic side of things, uh, and you know, the headmasters four issue miniseries, which I believe, you know, that ran, roughly what was it like june through september or whatever 1987 yeah, so that was, had been wrapped up a couple months before those characters yeah. made their way into the cartoon uh and then obviously you know they were mainstays in the the comic for the the rest of the run so i was pretty familiar with the characters 
through the comic. Uh, so it was interesting much later in life to see their cartoon introduction and have my, my lean much, much more comic based in most of those characters. Um, from a toy standpoint, did not have uh, many of the toys from, from this era uh, that either found as a kid or that uh, were my uncles that I inherited, but I did have a Chrome dome. He was one of my favorites. Uh, the gimmick was certainly sweet. So I, I enjoyed that part of the, out of it, but uh, yeah, I'm coming uh, much later and don't have as much uh, nostalgia tied into these episodes as I did with like uh, Five Faces of Darkness of watching hundreds of times since I was three years old. Hey, I definitely met most of these characters. I think in comics first. Well, it's funny since like I I, I had the sci-fi like versions recorded, and I probably watched those to death. And like the sci-fi, like we've probably discussed this before, but sci-fi cut like two minutes out of every single episode for time. So, I mean, there's some scenes in this when I rewatch it, I'm like, I don't remember that line. And then I'm like, oh, because it's like I, I'm just relying on my sci-fi. Like, um, I think it's in part two. But when Chrome Dome says, uh, come on, guys, let's butt heads with them or something <laughs> like that. They cut that scene out of the sci-fi. How recording. So dare it's like they? I never. Yeah. How so when they when they cut those they? two minutes out, do they still leave like the five minute recaps at the beginning of each episode? I think so. Yeah, I still have. You think they would just cut but... those out? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I did have on all those tapes was the Target Masters toy uh, commercial, which had uh, you know the the intro for these episodes was essentially parts of the season three intro with yeah. that same animation that was used in that uh, you know, toy commercial uh, spliced in there, and so. Uh, I was, you know, when I watched that, I was I was very familiar with uh, the animation, and that's those animation clips are, are probably the, the highlights of the series from a animation quality standpoint. Yeah, uh, those are pretty yeah, sharp. Um, that was always, uh, you know, kind of like the allure mystery of the there's Japanese Transformers. Uh, when I was a kid, was you know, where does that animation come from? That's awesome. Like, you know, where where is that stuff? Uh, what what episodes are I missing? Where am I missing? Where you know that sweet, uh, it, you know, I have the Target Masters lock up and you know wrestle and then their guns transform and run at each other and stuff. And I, I still you know have that jingle memorized: to Target Master Transformers, two Transformers out of one. The vehicle transforms and so does the gun. <laughs> Plus you have you know the sweet uh, Surrender Magnus are be destroyed uh, at the beginning and everything. So uh, I loved the that was probably my favorite of the, the Transformers toy commercials uh that i had on tape and watched it and then so then ultra magnus is all like no galvatron we have we, these toys we, too yeah, we too have target master <laughs> transformers i i felt like i got a do-over with target masters because when it was the you know five faces of darkness error I, I you know i asked for like a lot of the season three characters so i got you know rodimus and uh hot rod and and characters like that and then for you know, Cyclonus, you know, you know, the Scourge, those kind of characters. And then, you know, the earlier birthday, I had Ultra Magnus and um, Galvatron. So I was like slowly kind of getting that season three cast. But like I, I sort of missed out on Cup and Blur. And then when they came out as Target Masters, it was kind of like, oh, boy, like I can, you know, I can finish off my my, you know, I, I can keep trying to build my season three cast. And that was a sort of, for me, it was a do over to, to get those characters because they were sort of re-released with the target masters and stuff. 
and once you get your hands on that cup toy, you're like, man, I cannot believe I've been missing out on this fun for the last two years. <laughs> Dude, who, who else was I going to have uh, tell stories about uh, Regillian monsters or whatever? That one, uh, I had that toy, and even from an early age, it was like, yeah, this is not my favorite. <laughs> Leave him alone, you slime ball. If you want to torture somebody, torture me. Call your cylinders, lad. I can take it. Why don't we get into it? I'm, I'm going to read the synopsis for part the rebirth, part one, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Goldbug is talking with the Technobots at Autobot City. Things have been quiet for the Autobots in the months since the return of Optimus Prime and the Hate Plague Crisis. Not a word has been heard of the Decepticons in months. Who knows where they are? The answer? Right at their doorstep. Meanwhile, Ultra Magnus walks into a room to find Optimus on his knees. He's been having visions since he opened the Matrix, and it's something big. Goldbug informs Optimus of the, approach, of the approaching Decepticon force, and Optimus realizes whatever he's been sensing, it's starting right now. Leading the Autobots out, the Decepticons attack. The Technobots and the Throttlebots take point. The Decepticons have gotten new raw power and Ape Face and Snapdragon. However, Punch sees Wingspan and Pounds enter Autobot City. Transforming into Counterpunch, he follows to check on their progress when he sees them steal something from the vaults. The clones quickly dispatch Punch and take their prize to Scourge. Having claimed what they wanted, Galvatron orders a retreat. Optimus, realizing this was a diversion, runs into Autobot City, finding Punch in the empty vault. Horrified, Optimus orders everyone to board the ships and head for Cybertron. On Cybertron, Blur is racing with Hot Rod, with Daniel riding in Hot Rod. Blur, however, loses control, while Daniel shoots several Decepticon targets and wins the race. Brainstorm claims this is evidence of his theory that the human partners would be able to assist the Autobots in the war with the Decepticons. Hardhead and Cerebros are unsure of the idea. Optimus contacts the Autobots, telling them Galvatron stole the key to the plasma energy chamber. This was the forge that was used to create the bodies of the original Autobots. Since the Quintesson Rebellion, the key has been in the safekeeping of the Autobot leaders, who have been tasked with guarding the key with their lives. However, Galvatron intends to open the chamber and destroy Cybertron. The Decepticons arrive and chaos ensues. The aerial bots are quickly taken down by Sixshot, who shows off all six of his forms. During the onslaught, Cup and Hot Rod's team notice Scourge heading for the plasma energy chamber. They pursue in an attempt to stop him. When Scourge opens the chamber, he is nearly killed, but Spike and Cerebros manage to grab the key. The Autobot's ship is hit by a wave of energy from the plasma energy chamber and hurled off Cybertron itself. Discovering Scourge, the Decepticons reactivate him. Scourge explains what happened, and a team under Cyclonus heads out to find the Autobots with the key. The Autobot ship crashes on Nebulos. With the, the engines fried, the Autobots and the Witwickies decide to look for civilization. They're soon spotted by Duros and Pinpointer, who assume that the Autobots are machines controlled by the Hive and alert the rest of their resistance group. The group soon captures the Autobots and plans to destroy them with ma magnetic bombs, even though Spike tries to talk them down. However, the Decepticons show up. 
Spike finally convinces the Nebulans to release the Autobots. In the subsequent battle, Daniel is injured by Snapdragon, and Hot Rod, Cup, Blur, Crosshairs, Point Blank, and Sure Shot are taken captive. Some of the Autobots pursue them into the forest, but are quickly driven, driven off by Hive Machines. Back at the cave, Arcana and Firebolt manage to stabilize Daniel's condition, but the boy will have to be connected to life support. The Nebulan leader, Gort, explains that the Hive is a tyrannical group of telekinetics who have used machines to enslave Nebulos. The Resistance members know the weak points of the machines, but they just don't have the firepower. Spike thinks that Brainstorm's idea of organic partners just might be the ticket. The Autobots agree to allow the Nebulans to use their heads as suits, except for Cerebros, who walks out tired of fighting. RC asks to be Daniel's partner, and Spike agrees. As they remove their heads, Spike declares that they are about to become Headmasters. To be continued. So yeah, that's the first episode, and man, there's a lot of stuff they have to get through. Like, you know, toy new characters to plug, like toys and concepts to sell. You know, you gotta... Yeah, not only the headmasters, but I mean, the, the throttle bots showed up in Return of Optimus Prime, but this is the first time they get to really like do anything. And then, you know, the whole concept of Nebulos and the plasma energy chamber, like there's a lot of ground they have to cover here. And I think they they do it at a pretty brisk pace. But uh, I don't know, like th- any uh, uh, initial thoughts. Wide load thinks he's a Technobot because he's in that first uh <laughs> yeah. force that joins the when Ultra Magnus is like Technobots attack and I'm like dude just because you're orange you get to hang out with the other Technobots what's up with that I'm like that's not right you're a throttle bot <laughs> wait your turn I was I was listening to you read that first paragraph like are, are, are the writers having a, a a gag like where they're like Optimus is on his knees Optimus has been having visions and knows it's something big Optimus realizes what he's been sensing and it's starting right now I was like I guess I know, that, so. sounds, that sounds dirty to me like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like decry it or anything but like you know I know what the deal is but it's like you know he has to David Wise has to introduce six shot he has to introduce punch and counter punch he has to introduce pounce and and he has to introduce the the Autobot headmasters and the Decepticon headmasters, and 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 both teams are target masters. So, like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on here. And and I mean the 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 plot to you know I I get it. Like the 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 plot you know has a lot. Like it's it's dense, and they they have to have a lot of moving pieces to to you know they they know they have to get this team of specific characters to nebulos and have the decepticons follow them to nebulos and then set up you know start setting up the idea early on like that brainstorm has this idea of somehow making a hybrid you know species between you know i guess humans and and transformers but then it it quickly turns into mostly nebulans and transformers so it's like i forgive a lot of the the i don't know what what, what people might see as like clunky you know setup for toys and plot points and also you know wh- whatever you think of the acom animation like i'm 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 even kind of forgiving of that because i think I, I don't know. Like for for me, there's there's two things that I think this three parter has going for it, and uh, one of those things is that 
it is the kind of like the the spiritual successor to the ultimate doom. And I guess what I mean by that is ultimate doom didn't exactly have like the greatest plot either, but man, did it have some great one liners and it made me like, you know, guffaw and laugh and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, like, especially as we go through the, the multiple chapters of this, I think that's true of this where it's, it's all about like, the great one liners that they have, you know, like, so, you know, and they, and they, they try to have, you know, all those characters, you know, I think my favorite one liner in this that made me laugh was, you know, Springer's uh, successor, I guess is point blank. Cause it's the same VA, but I, I love when cups like prepare for crash landing. He's like, how by thinking good thoughts, you know, like, and so like, there's always that kind of, I don't know, like I'll get the door lines where you're just like, that kind of stuff is is always like super super funny to me so like that is something that i think the, the you know that that the three-parter has going for it as far as uh you know a positive and then and then i think the other thing it has going for it at least for me is that new toy sheen i mean i i think I, you know it, and it's hard for me to get over it but like w- when i saw this it was you know, even if they were briefly introduced, it was exciting to see Punch counter punch for the brief moment. It was exciting to see Sick Shot for his brief moment. And it was exciting to see the the clones, you know, the Autobot clones and the Decepticon clones and and see all those characters introduced. And then on top of that, you know, you've got, you know, mind wipe pushing light speed off a hill and or you know, cliff or whatever it is. And, you know, so you're slowly like setting up like that these characters all have you know their their own individual powers and things like that and then and then you're being introduced to you know who will become the the Autobot headmasters you know you've got brainstorm and hardhead and all all the target masters point blank and sure shot and crosshairs so like it's i don't know to to me it's like that that's one of those things about this where it it's always exciting cuz it still has that for for me at least it has that new toy smell so even though even though some people might be like, oh, it's not as good animation as whatever. Like, I, I almost I don't know if I'm biased or not, because I know the wiki has like, you know, 10,000 entries of like all the mistakes or, you know, whatever stuff is wrong in terms of uh, animation errors. But like, I, I almost feel like this is like one of the least, you know, I mean, as far as the three parter goes, it's one of the least offensive ACOM animated episodes that I've seen, but maybe I just, maybe I'm kind of like still blinded by the, the new toy smell or something. Yeah. For me, obviously it didn't, uh, have kind of the nostalgia there, but it was kind of this mystery thing I had built up in my head that, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to finally watch and see for the first time, you know, in my teens when I finally did of, you know, after a decade probably of pouring over, you know, like the, uh, 87 toy release, you know, packing you know the, the big fold out right and seeing all these characters and you know a lot of them didn't have a a real big presence in the comics i mean some of them did but you know like punch counter punch i can remember being a, a little kid on the bus and there was a kid that that had that one I was like oh my god the, what is that and, uh and then going home and looking and pouring over the you know the toy fold outs and seeing it on there and like oh man this thing does exist or whatever and so was eagerly awaiting to see how he was brought to life and it is a, a pretty cool intro and uh six shot doesn't 
disappoint. I think it's kind of cheesy, right? Looking at these eyes, but uh, definitely would have would have hit all the uh, you know the badass alarms uh, that you needed as as a kid to try to convince your parents to go out and shell out the. I, I imagine it was pretty expensive, um, so. Uh, I think they did a good job of uh, selling some of those new uh, toy characters, and there was, you know, some pretty uh, uh, groundbreaking, I guess, or really pushing what what a transformer could do. You know, a six changer and uh, a character with two robot modes, and uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I had the Autobot clones. I, I thought that was kind of a, a neat concept. I had all the Throttlebots, but like you mentioned, those were uh, introduced in uh, uh, Return of Optimus Prime. Actually, Chase uh, was my first Transformers toy I ever got. I got that for my third birthday. Um, so, you know, it probably didn't live up to the the hype. I had it built up in my head, but still, you know, a lot uh, of moving parts, a, a lot they had to condense in there. And then uh, it's pretty awesome to see those, you know, characters brought to life. Um, and, and again, some of them really didn't have, uh, hadn't been fleshed out all that much uh, in the comic book. So they were still uh, fairly new to me. Uh, and it was, it was pretty cool to see them brought up. Uh, on screen uh, alive here uh do you guys know much info on why this just became a three-part finale i mean wasn't this supposed to kind of be like a five-part intro to season four and just kind of take off and running for the next yeah. round of transformers toys and then has was just I like yeah we don't want to mess with the cartoon anymore I, I think it's like the rhino dvds but there's an interview with like david wise on one of those like sets and he was like oh yeah like i you know i was supposed to, i was contracted to write like a five-part like you know opener for the new season and then i was told to like smush it down to three parts and then i was told like this would be the end of the show so like i had to revise it like multiple times so it's it's interesting because some some aspects of the the i guess you know jumping ahead you know some aspects of a continuing storyline seem to be there at the conclusion of this, regardless of how it ends. But then there are some aspects that you wonder if they, that they would, they have gone through with certain plot points. If, if this was going to be, you know, a continuing narrative after a, you know, three part, five part, you know, whatever it turns out to be episode or whatever. Like I, you know, I, I feel like, like, I mean, at least that seems to be, based in like you know what you're citing mike seems to be based in some kind of fact right it's like oh here's an interview with the writer the writer told you know what what happened from high on up which was basically like they, they were going to keep trucking as usual do a five-part episode and then make more episodes but it sounds like th- this is where it gets less factual you know that that the popularity of transformers was waning and thus they didn't want to you know they it, to me it sounds like someone pulled the funding plug where i mean that's that's usually an indication of you know it's it's like every time you make a sequel to a movie the budget gets what cut in half gets cut over and over again until you know that's why you have like you know battle from the planet of the apes or whatever so to me it seems like i don't know if it was cut in half but for, to go from five episodes to three episodes that's a pretty significant budget cut and then for them to say but still introduce all this product you know and it's like well you know i don't know so sometimes that can be i'm trying to think of the phrase but like you know uh you know difficulty leads to ingenuity and all that kind of stuff right like so so i'm sure they you know he found ways to work around it but then you know the other thing i always remember hearing and i don't know if this is like an apocryphal rumor like the whole 
you know, Leonard Nimoy voiced Unicron for five minutes or, you know, all the stuff that was Internet rumor and later proven to be complete and utter bullshit. But like, do you ever remember the rumor about like there there was a and and maybe you don't because I know you guys were coming to this all later. But I, I remember like these rumors that like either. I, I don't know if it was supposed to be like new episodes or it was like the, the Japanese headmasters like from, you know, Japan, like they were going to get dubbed and they were on a ship and the ship sunk. So that's why we never got it here or some nonsense. Like there was always like something about that where people were trying to perpetuate like rumors like that. And, and you know, again, like this is where I say it kind of goes off the rails. Like it has no basis in fact, like there's no David Wise interview I can point to. But I do remember people talking about that, like that there was going to be so, you know, that they were going to try to continue it, you know, in some shape or form using basically imported episodes and dubbing those but i can't imagine them actually using a malaysian dub but like i wonder if like certain footage was in route to the u.s and they could just hire you know the the sunbow cast to like dub those episodes like but that just never came to be or if that was just total wish fulfillment on on part of fans and they just kind of concocted this rumor that like oh the episodes was on a ship and then the ship sunk like the titanic and that then it was never meant to be like i you know i don't know if that was real or not but uh, do you guys ever remember hearing anything like that yeah like i mean there's been rumors all over the internet but like i never heard like you know anything specific like that right right can you imagine, Derek, your little mind being blown when that uh, Malaysian dub came on? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> now, see, now, now there are I, two Optimus Primes. <laughs> now I kind of want to see those guys like redub the Rebirth, like or something. <laughs> you know? No, 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 that's the wrong direction. I wasn't, I wasn't saying they dubbed the Rebirth. I was saying the people that did the voices of the Rebirth. I'm just saying. The... Like now, I want them to redub the whole series, like. I, I don't know if this is a, uh, I guess, question at the end or if we want to talk now, I guess. But since you mentioned headmasters, I mean, what what is your guys' preferred take on um, uh, Rebirth versus headmasters taking out you know, the shitty dub and, and maybe a really convoluted plot? What is that, 28 episodes or something like that? That's drug out uh, quite a bit. Uh, I guess more just kind of the concept of symbiosis with organic life forms versus smaller robots and the bigger robots being mech suits. I I think the Japanese way of doing it makes more sense, but I think there's more story potential with the like the American like concept of you know bonding with nebulans. Like I. I I think, you know, the Japanese, like, concept of, like, you know, they're just little robots who, like, use the gimmick to become bigger robots probably makes more sense. Because, I don't like, later, you know, when they, they create the Target Masters in this, like, three-parter, it's like, you know, what sense does it make to throw your gun away? Like, it makes no, like, I don't see the, you know, there's no story sense there other than it's, a you know, a toy gimmick or whatever. But I, I think ha- introducing all these, like, you know, Nebulon characters added more story potential. Like, whether they really explored it too much is another story. But I think there's a lot more story potential in the American take. Yeah, for yeah. me, the, that commercial that I mentioned was kind of my intro to the concept because I would have seen that 
before I would have read the comics um, and then read the comics before I saw the full on episodes. But I felt like that commercial lied to me, man, two robots out of one. So it was like, Oh no, they're two transformers. And then it's like, Oh, well actually it's just this guy in a suit. No, I don't want to be people. (laughs) I don't know. It made it feel like that's not a real transformer. That's just a Mm. person. Um, And I know you guys are maybe to, I guess, varying interest levels, but I mean, you do have a show about big in Japan and kind of mech shows and mech suits. I've really never kind of been into that stuff, but I mean, obviously this is either route kind of ground zero for kind of more of that, especially as you continue in the, the Japanese G1 stuff of kind of that more mech approach of, you know, whether it's head or target masters, or then you get to the, you know, the power masters, the God masters, whatever the brain masters, then it's just straight up people, right. Running, like transformer mechs, uh, essentially. Um, so I guess it's kind of interesting, I guess, ground zero for that pro- proliferating and, and being introduced into transformers. I don't See, know. I was think- there just a rising popularity of kind of that mech show or dynamic that allowed that to cross over to transformers and kind of just take over or. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is the cultural aspect, I think, but then I, I kind of feel like there's also like for me, I think, what what was always very fascinating to me or or you know it's it's kind of like superheroes right it's a it's a power fantasy right and you think to yourself it's not i mean i know i know people the you know the waters get muddied with it or whatever but to me the basic concept is like as a kid you're supposed to be like oh how cool would it be to I don't know, swing up through the city on a bat line or a spider web. How cool would it be to fly at supersonic speeds like Superman and, you know, fly around the world and get Chinese food and, you know, whatever it is that they do. Right. And I think for me, like the, the, especially like, you know, some of the characters that show up later in this, the, the, the fantasy aspect to me was always. I, would identify or I I would see myself as, you know, I don't know, Daniel or Spike or whatever. Right. And like, how cool would it be? You know, like, like I I think my biggest fantasy, I used to hate running track in PE and I ended up having to get orthopedic arches because my feet hurt so bad and got all messed up because of it or whatever. But I remember they would always make us run track and we'd have to run, you know, you know, whatever it is, like four miles and we'd run laps around the track and do all this other nonsense. And like my biggest fantasy then was right around when Headmasters came out and it didn't really matter that it was, you know, I think the comic came out and then uh, this three parter came out and then eventually they kind of. I don't know homogenize the two together in my mind because I, I felt like once they introduced Spike in the American US comics, I, I was always like, oh wow, they're finally, you know, like they're finally introducing Spike. And then Spike was the headmaster for Fort Max. And and basically it all it all started to, you know, th- I think that's when the the franchises got less distinct and separate for me and, and became a little closer with that character. So I always loved Fortress Maximus and Spike being his, his, uh, I don't know, binary bonded partner. Right. But my big fantasy was like, I wanted to be Fortress Maximus and I wanted to be able to like transform into 
you know, the head and then transform onto, you know, Cerebros or whoever, and then transform into Fortress Maximus and take like, you know, one step and be like, I've ran the four laps. Fuck you, PE teacher. Like that was my huge fantasy. And like, and like that, like that, that's, that's a power, you know, like that, that just like superheroes. And so I, I think like, while I, I understand, like, you know, sometimes, like, logistically, like, oh, a robot turning into a bigger robot makes sense from a logic standpoint, I think for the fantasy aspect of it or this this power fantasy or whatever, it's like, I think that's why even with with Japanese mech or, you know, somebody being a pilot rather than turning into the head or whatever, like, I, I think that's why it slowly developed into, you know, God Jinrai and them being, you know, power masters and, 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 or even, you know, the, the, the whole, cause it's like, it's like, I think, I think that's the difference between, you know, the, the pretenders pretending to be human versus a human truck driver with the soul of freaking I don't know, convoy or whatever the hell the deal is. Right. But th- the point is he started out as like your average Joe trucker. And then he got to become like one of the most powerful robots in the series. And that to me is the, the superpower fantasy aspect of it where like you, you, you know, you, you, you want to be, you know, God Jinrai or, or power master Optimus prime, or you want to have the power of Fort max or something like that. And, and this was so, you know, this is like a very specific hit you on the head way to do it. Right. It's not, it's not like you're just Daniel riding shotgun and hot rod. Like, like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's almost like Robin turns into the head of Batman. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that argument they always make, like Robin was to appeal to the little kids and, uh, you know, you've got all these fanboys going, oh, the little kids were like, fuck Robin. I wanted to be Batman or what, you know, like, like that whole argument. It's like, to me, it's like, that's a way to like, it's like you you probably didn't want to necessarily be Spike on your own, but Spike that could turn into Fortress Maximus, like that, that was, I mean, you know, that was something that was a, a power trip fantasy that I think this, this three parter and, and a lot of the comic books were able to, at least for me, fully realize. Yeah. Like I said, though, it's like, aside, like, I think in the Marvel comics, like the Nebulans got like, you know, a decent amount of like, uh, screen time like you know panel time and there then there there isn't then like for the, the next like 10 issues like of the comic until they kind of you know basically until they brought optimus prime back and then everyone died in like the underbase fiasco and like and then Furman didn't seem to have much interest in like you know exploring like the nebulans other than like Zarek. So like, maybe if if this show had continued, like they you know we would have had like spotlight episodes mm. for like you know Firebolt and Hot Rod's partnership or something like that. But yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's always it's always fascinating to me because it's like like you said, this had to be so so dense. And you, you, I, I started thinking to myself, like, what, what if this had gone on for like another twenty six episodes or something? And I'm envisioning like these Jordy LaForge type episodes, but with like Sure Shot or something, you know? And it's like, it's like, oh boy, a Sure Shot episode, you know, or whatever. You're like, you know, he meets he meets some Nebulan girl and falls in love or what, you know? I don't know <laughs> you know. One thing I I I didn't I never noticed because I well I mean I I noticed it long before but I mean initially I I never noticed that like I guess like uh um what do you call uh uh what's his face uh 
Harry Mudd uh, passed away like between like seasons. Mm. So like, you know, we've got Jack Angel doing his uh yeah uh cyclonus like in this one. And and it, like I, I hadn't noticed that until like I had read it like, you know, years and years ago and I was like, Oh, he does a really good like impression of him. And then, you know, obviously like all the other characters like have to, you know, mostly most all of them have like existing voices and stuff, like, you know, voice or voice actors. Like there were a couple new guys that they got to they brought in like I think Cerebros has like a a new actor, but uh like the rest of them are pretty much you know everyone who was you know in house at the time you know I, I kind of like uh if I p- uh, pick anyone out like I like uh, Michael Bell as Brainstorm I think that's mm. a pretty like well fitting voice and I like uh um Neil Ross's Crosshairs because he does like a, he like a, a, it's supposed to be I guess a Clint Eastwood impression but he sounds more like Ronald Reagan and he's like <laughs> you know what's all the hubbub bub or something you know mm. I always had a fond fond I think we've discussed this but I've always had a fondness for Crosshairs because he was like the only toy from that range that I ever owned so yeah, I'm trying to think as far as like, you know, what's funny is like, I, I know I got Cup and Blur as Target Masters, but I think outside of that, like, I don't think I ever had any of the original uh, Decepticon and Autobot Headmasters or anything. So like, I, I think I think I, I definitely use this as an opportunity to get cup and blur like a second chance but i i think i would have wanted fortress maximus but of course that was one of the higher price point ones so i i think like like every other kid i ended up with scorponok right because that was you know a, a smaller price point than than you know it's like Triptychon and fort max were the higher price point uh city bots and so every every kid basically ended up with metroplex and and uh Scorponok because they were they were much cheaper in comparison. So I didn't have any of those, so I, I don't feel too bad for you with your sweet ass Scorponok, you poor <laughs> poor little kid. Uh, see, I've, I've got all like now I've got all the new versions of these characters, like all the like Titans Returns mm-hmm. versions and stuff. But like yeah, like I kind of out of like the original toys, I think I only ever like I own a six shot, but he's a I think he's a reissue, and uh you know I own a, a well I used to own a Crosshairs that a friend like I got in a trade with a friend and. Like, uh, you know, I always make the joke. I, I feel like everyone had a crosshairs at some point. Like, he must have been a shelf warmer or something, because I always see, like, loose crosshairs at hobby stores and stuff. But And, and as I keep telling you, I was too good for crosshairs. I guess so, yeah. Well, you, you, you and Justin and all the other peons had crosshairs. I didn't have no crosshairs. <laughs> I um, I'm, I'm trying to. I was trying to think. I think I, I, I didn't. I didn't know we were talking about some of the earlier guys too. But I, I mean, I had the, the Autobot and Decepticon clones. I guess I just thought that was a cool concept, you know. Like, and 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 they probably had a pretty reasonable price point as well. Pulled up the the '87 uh, toy catalog here. It's something I've spent hours of my childhood uh, just uh, drooling over here. Just verify what all came out during this uh, this year and what I had here. So I, I had Chrome Dome. That was the only headmaster I, I had Autobot or Decepticon wise. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't remember from my when you when you finally watch here the, uh, the Japanese when you finally watched the Japanese headmasters. Did that did that enhance your enjoyment of Chrome Dome because he was such a 
major player in that? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I mean, uh, I don't know the the Japanese stuff. You know, again, it's one of those. It, it could never live up to the hype. I'm trying to think when I want to watch those. I mean, what was it? It was only about a decade ago that those came out. Did, yeah. Did the dub? You know, you could get the three pack or whatever, and they'd come with the subtitles. I always just did the the subtitles. Um, like, like honestly, like taking this serious, like taking Headmaster seriously, and like you know, leaving out the melee dub, which is obviously hilarious, but. I, I headmasters is not a good series. I feel no, it's like not. it's it's boring. Yeah, but the, but there's some. It's like there's a, a bunch of little mini seasons or arcs in it, and there are some interesting things in there. I don't know. I feel like you, you know, kind of. Uh, I guess if Dreamway would have continued, maybe we would have gotten to kind of that ultimate version of it, where there's mm. parts from the you know the G one comic, um, the cartoon, and then the Japanese that. Together, um, I think you could probably weave a pretty interesting tapestry that was probably really solid that pulled from a lot of those things. But uh, each one of them on their own has some has some flaws, and I think Headmasters itself is probably is not probably is probably the the, the most flawed of those. Um, for me, I guess um, I you know I prefer that kind of robot only. You know, I, the kind of the potential I would see there is right. We'd seen examples of other transformers colonies outside of cybertron um in the g1 cartoon you know there's paradron the mm. uh, there was the the colony in the cosmic rust episode so kind of that dynamic of uh we have with nebulon right of kind of this embroiled civil war on this other planet of humanoids i mean you could have that with these other transformers factions that left in peace and you know say it's a freed slaves um you know going back to five faces of darkness it's the freed uh you know autobot decepticon slaves and it's a bunch of the consumer goods uh line flees to that planet and little did they know they had uh, a couple of warriors with them and they just cannot uh you know <laughs> we we talked about how that's kind of sticky right of these decepticons that are just being built inherently evil or whatever mm-hmm. right um can't help themselves and take over and then you kind of have this essentially the same civil war in its own isolated little pocket off there. And, you know, maybe factor in some of the energy shortages or whatever that led to, you know, the micromasters and they've, they've pared themselves down over time. And then these, you know, a big, uh, Cybertronian original transformers arrive and, uh, bring that full scale war, um, back to them, I guess. And then you have the same dynamic there. I mean, I do, I do like a lot of the story stuff that you have with Nebulon and the whole idea of kind of that assimilation thing that you'd have with like the, the Roman empire, right. As they, they conquered and those people became part of the Roman empire and then embroiled in that, um, that war. I mean, that's essentially what you have here is these two factions already at their own at war with themselves, brought into a bigger uh, galactic scale war, uh, with these giant robots, and so I, I think you could still do that with, without the flesh bag concept. I just don't like people that much in my transformers, honestly. So for I don't know. For me, it's just the the sci fi concept, and maybe it's uh, selective memory or anything. I mean, I I totally get the the power fantasy thing. I think that you described really well, Derek. But I, I just I don't know that I ever had that for transformers. To me, it was just these cool huge robots that I was just uh, happy to watch and. Uh, I mean, to me, my, my favorite episode is five, favorite, five faces of darkness part four, because of 
you get all that that lore and so um that was my big pull i guess was was all that science fiction lore that really didn't have anything to do with people i think it's interesting that that uh cerebros's motivation is is not that far removed from like the comic version of fort max like they both seem to want to escape the four million year war in their own ways so i i you know that that's one of those common threads that i find interesting because sometimes the characters were so disparate in you know presentation between the the comic and the the animated show but that that was something that you know i i kind of found at least some somewhat similar in terms of presentation yeah, so anything else to add about this episode, or should we go on to episode two? Let's do episode two. Right. The Rebirth Part Two. On Nebulos, the modifications to the Autobots' heads are nearly complete. All that is left is to select their partners. Duros, the combat veteran, takes Hardhead. Arcana, the oldest and wisest among them, takes Brainstorm. Styler takes Chrome Dome, Gort takes Highbrow, and Daniel is placed in RC. Upon activating, the Autobots feel different and decide to make a test run. The Headmaster process is thus proven as a good as Brainstorm believed, as with the Rebels' guidance, the Autobots trash the Hive's machines. Satisfied with their trial run, the Autobots and Rebels decide that it's time to get the key to the Plasma Energy Chamber. But the Hive is watching and recognizes Gort and Arcana within the robots. Some of them decide it's time to bring the pain, but their leader decides to watch. Meanwhile, on Cybertron, the battle between the Autobots and Decepticons appears evenly matched. However, there's no sign of Hot Rod and Cup's team or the key. Optimus Prime decides that it's time to find some answers and leaves the battle with Ultra Magnus following. Back on Nebulos, Scourge is torturing the captive Autobots for the key to the amusement of Apeface. However, Cyclonus realizes that these Autobots don't have the key or others would be all over them. Bad choice of words as the Autobot Headmasters appear. They quickly overwhelm the Decepticons and free the captives, taking the Decepticon ship in the process. Some of the Hive members believe that the Decepticons should be destroyed as well, but their leader has other plans. Capturing the Decepticons, Lord Zarek offers them a deal. Submit to the Headmaster process and allow the Hive to be their partners, giving them the strength to destroy the Autobots. Scourge tells them to get bent, <laughs> but Zarek reveals that the offer was only a formality. Grabbing the Decepticons, Cyclonus and Scourge agree to deal, but only with the heads of the animals. A-Face objects, but Cyclonus shows him who's boss. The vehicle Decepticons offer their weapons. Zarek agrees, and the modifications begin. Back on Bertrand, Optimus and Magnus have re- reached the source of the Autobot leader's quest. Prime activates the supercomputer to communicate with the spirit of Alpha Trion. Alpha explains that the key is on Nebulos and that Vector Sigma arranged Alvatron to learn of it. All of this is being done to bring about a second golden age, which, which depends on the merging of a human with an Autobot. Before the discussion has ended, Alpha Trion tells Prime to preserve the key at all costs. Prime is confused, but it's kind of hard to argue with God's will, after all. Optimus departs for Nebulos, leaving Ultra Magnus in command of the Autobots until his return. On Nebulos, the modifications are complete and the Hive members bond with the Decepticons. 
Zarek, however, remains behind, having plans for the Hive City. Meanwhile, the Autobots are dragging the ship back to the Rebel base when Cerebros arrives, bad badly damaged and mumbling he has found a city. The Autobots are able to stabilize him, but the Decepticons show up. Brainstorm is pissed that the Decepticons have their own headmasters. He's even more pissed when Mindwipe takes the key from him. However, Brainstorm manages to run a scan on Nightstick before the Decepticons run off. Using the scans gives Hot Rod and Cup an idea. No, it doesn't. Using the scans gives uh, Spike an idea. Sometime later, Optimus Prime lands and is introduced to the Ed Masters and Target Masters. With this force, the Autobots prepare to retake the key. Elsewhere, the Decepticons are getting grumpy, having to wait for Zarek and with nothing to shoot. Their boredom is relieved when Prime leads, leads the Autobots in an attack. RC and Daniel manage to take the key and get it to Prime. The Autobots circle Prime and RC, vowing to let nothing get through. However, from beneath them, Zarek raises the Hive City. Suddenly, it begins to transform into something else. The city lands on the ground, and from the dust rises Scorponok, to be concluded. Man, that... That summary had a lot of inaccuracies. It, in it kind of all makes whatever. sense to me now, because apparently whoever wrote this is amused by puking. Because <laughs> yeah, wanted to Ape puke. Ape-Face was not amused, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. well, uh, apparently, according to whoever wrote this, he was, and I guess that means puking is amusing to whoever wrote this, so. But, um... This this kind of gets more into the the nitty gritty of everything. I guess I guess we can have some more uh, commentary on you know how you don't want uh, humans in the uh, transformers, but it's like what Daniel pretty much gets effed up in this, right? Like so. I was gonna say the wiki has a funny joke where they're like, you know, how come Snapdragon isn't more po popular for like almost killing Daniel? So you guys watching the, the cartoon as, as youngins and Derek uh, watching it in uh, real time. Did I mean, did you like Daniel? Was he sometimes okay, sometimes not? Again, I had I very, mean, uh, very like cultivated intro. I thought he was fine in every episode I watched as a kid. So, when, you know, when I got <laughs> older and got on the Internet, I, just, I couldn't understand why everybody hated him so much. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not all Wesley Crusher about Daniel or whatever. Like I'm not I mean, I'm not even Wesley Crusher about Wesley Crusher. So I, I don't know. Sometimes I think I think that kind of stuff is overblown. I, again, kind of like the ACOM animation and, and and some of the clunky, you know, plot interactions just to get the toys set up. Like, I think I'm pretty forgiving about, you know, the entire relationship between RC and Daniel and, 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 and again, there, there, there's a, like I said, there, to me, there's a level of, of power fantasy. Like I kind of think, you know, like to me, I, I think, I think it looks kind of boss when, um, you know, when, when, when they, they, they do that transformation and he's in his little, you know, exosuit and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I think, I think that power fantasy, kind of trip was was kind of what the exosuit was made for in Transformers the movie and this just kind of expands on that it's like you know it just so happens you know that the exosuit turns into RC's head now or whatever it is right but I, I don't know I've never I've never been like super bothered by by Daniel as far as that goes I mean I I, I kind of felt like I, I don't know to, to me it was a cool idea to have 
to to have Spike have a son and 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 you 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 know I don't know it, it to me it also kind of makes the uh, the Nebulans look like you know okay guys right like I mean I know they start out like kind of capturing the Autobots and you think what the hell's wrong with these guys but you know they they try their best to help out Daniel and Spike when they realize you know kind of what's going on and everything so I I, I think it kind of makes them look like decent you know decent folks as well and then of course i like you know i don't know like like some of the stuff like again it's like the the to me like it's got the the one-liners and the jokes you know like everybody's like you know the the whole uh you know you love wasting your time don't you scourge you know it's like that's exactly where we are you know like like you know all, i don't know i just I, I i dig all that kind of stuff or like you know the 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 the, the perfect sequence for for hardhead you know he's like open the hatch anything you put in there will totally scramble the machine circuits like what like your fist or, or oh, even you mean, when you mean highbrow oh yeah yeah highbrow right like but i i guess what i was thinking of was i i like the part where um hardhead just kind of gives up on he's like you've got a you know aim the thing in the certain part or whatever it is. And he's like, ah, the heck with it. And he just beats the shit out of the hive machine, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of good character moments, even for like the Decepticons and stuff like, like, and I, you know, I, I like, even though it's, it's, you know, it's obviously uh, an info dump or a, what do they call it? an intro dump or whatever, when they, all the De- Decepticon headmasters and target masters are revealed. Like, I think there's still a lot of, you know, you instantly like get a picture of what a lot of those characters are about, like, you know, misfire and aimless and like all those guys. Like, so I think all that stuff is pretty funny. Or like even Nightstick, you know. The boys all call me Nightstick. Yeah, I hope you like busted heads. <laughs> I, I I like the Chris Lotta's like uh, I'm Spasma and I'm Credix, and he spits on the the acid spit or whatever. I also I like um I think it's Stan Jones who also voices Scourge who does Zarek's voice. I mm-hmm, like Zarek's mm-hmm. voice. Like yeah. I just I I don't know. He's got a weird like, you know, like uh I don't like rasp or something to it, but when he's like, you know, enough bargaining, remove your head. Like, I always, I always think of him as like Lex Luthor for whatever you know, because he was, well, he, was he is, Lex he is purple and Friends. yeah, he is purple and green. So I mean, yeah. and and Stan Jones voiced Lex Luthor in the the Super Friends. Yeah. looks like that S on your chest stands for sucker. So I guess Kyle, with with you being bothered by like humans, you know, like I mean, because I, I I'm kind of in line with you. Like I like I like Cybertronian stories. I like when. They, the Transformers get to sort of interact, uh, you know, in their own environment, you know, without the human interaction. But like it, seeing Zarek kind of like manhandle the Decepticons to get the the plot through to get the gimmicks on. Like, is that something that that played not as well for you or or, or did you did you still enjoy the transition into them becoming target masters and headmasters and all that stuff? The Decepticons. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, I mean, I think it played all right. I, I don't know that it necessarily took you back or anything, but um, you know, then there's kind of that power struggle between him and Galvatron, right? And it's kind of like a, yeah, he's just side with Galvatron a little bit, and then, um, but it also obviously he's 
a psychopath and incompetent, right? So it, it makes him ripe for being uh, undermined or undercut and beat by a, a puny flesh bag, right? Um, I mean, he's certainly cunning. Um, I, I thought it was an, an interesting choice that, you know, they make Zarek and the Hive, you know, kind of deformed looking, um, <laughs> which is, is not unique to this, right? A lot of times uh, bad guys are kind of these old, twisted, warped looking individuals. Um, but then you think of, uh, again, that, that power fantasy of the type of person that might uh, flock to this stuff. And so, um, you know, they might be wanting to see a, a character that maybe is a little uglier, <laughs> be be heroic, right? Um, whereas uh, Nebulons or whatever, uh, you know, pretty uh, superhero uh, archetype, you, you know, build and stuff. So is. And again, that's not anything uh, unique here, but it, I was, it's always kind of funny to look back at some of these cartoons that probably didn't have that on the, the forefront of their mind and, and see like, eh, there was an opportunity maybe there to, you know, win the ugly kid over by having him be uh, a hero of the day instead of the villain. Right. So I don't know. Um, it's, that's certainly something that newer cartoons would be more aware of. Right. Not uh, having kind of all body types um, in that heroic role instead of uh, you know, typical uh, archetype or body type uh, being good guys and uh, the ugly <laughs> being the bad guys. So uh, that's just something that stuck out with a, a 2021 uh, lens, I guess, uh, looking back at it. But no, I mean, Zarek, I think, is a good character uh, for sure. Um, interesting. And I think David Wise is hopefully gets his due. I mean, he's had to, an influence on, on a lot of different shows. Uh, my childhood, he's the, the showrunner behind the, the Ninja Turtles cartoon and stuff. So, I mean, he's you don't get to be making a, a big impact on multiple series that was just all still around today and, and had big impacts without uh, being a character with a really good, good handle on character dynamics and, and dialogue and making characters interesting. And so even with as you know, having the kitchen sink thrown in here and, and condensed down to three episodes, he, he did do a, a really good job to spotlight each one of the characters and make them interesting. And I guess that's kind of my biggest uh, pushback when, you know, you always hear the, well, we were raised on toy commercials or cartoons in the 80s were just toy commercials. Yeah, that's true. But they, they worked because they successfully fleshed out these characters and made them interesting that you wanted to go buy them, right? If it's just uh, I'm a one-dimensional or two-dimensional character, I, you know, these properties wouldn't have lasted as long as they did and wouldn't have been plunking down money for them. So a, a lot of that, uh, again, kind of goes along with some of the stigma that's around some of the licensed comics that you kind of hear back in the eighties as that was kind of the junk jobs yet, you know, they brought in a, a ton of money for the company and are still really fondly remembered. You know, when people talk about eighties comics at Marvel, uh, I think a, a ton of people will tell you things like GI Joe transformers, ROM micronauts uh, being some of the, the standouts of comic quality that those companies put, put out that they're oftentimes dismissed and, uh, it's good that uh, I guess we go back and take a look and see what uh, a goldmine they were of some of the character development and a lot of the stuff they did right. And that's really what led to them being uh, commercially successful or sustain that commercial success just beyond the gimmick of robots that transform, right? So, I mean, Arcana's I guess not, that's a long... Yeah. I, I was going to say, Arcana's not exactly uh, going to win any beauty contests, though. So I think, <laughs> that's I think true. They, I think they, I think they have some... There you go. They, they, they have some some old age. Oh, they're all green, right? so I mean, right? they're all they all kind of look like uh, 
green California raisins, you know. So it's not like it's not like everybody's beautiful by uh, by, by whatever uh, human standards, right? But no, I I kind of get what you're saying though, because the 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 I guess the evil nebulans, right? Like they're they're supposedly they they all you know no longer you know that use their bodies, and it's all supposed to be what like technokinesis type stuff, and it, it it's like it's a little bit of the 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 uh planet of the apes unto my god you know mutated humans because they all live underground and they're they're and it's a little bit logan's run where everybody's kind of you know lazy and they're having all the machines do stuff for them so like just that in and of itself no matter or never mind you know their physical appearance like there's something that's always going to be slightly disturbing you know it's it's you know i mean it, it's like one of those things where you see like you know somebody who's you know i i don't know i i can't be sensitive about this so forgive me but it's like when you see you know somebody in in one of these little rolly carts at a supermarket and you know some people some people you know genuinely need them right they, they you know they they have problems with their you know their their you know they're genuinely handicapped you know they they need you know an electric chair to get around that's fine i'm not talking about those people but i'm talking about the people that are like you know 5000 pounds and have an attitude and they go beating around the the store because they can't be bothered to get up off their ass and i kind of feel like the <laughs> evil nebulans are those guys right like to like the nth degree right where they're like you know evil villainous versions of that you're like just blown up out of proportion and and it it's like it's like it's like what you can't be bothered to get up off your ass but you're gonna drive scorponok around and make everybody's life miserable i, I want to like, know i want to see Derek <laughs> like in a rascal like just driving around going around move your head it's like he's like, I want the mac and cheese. You know. <laughs> now I want someone like Josh Birch Birchum to just do like a newspaper strip style uh, tales from Nebulosa. <laughs> how, how all you got to do is society go. deteriorated. Yeah, you just go <laughs> walk around Walmart for an hour, take notes. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, Derek, you just completely changed my perspective on this whole thing. Wow. <laughs> oh. Oh man, thank you. I like uh, <laughs> I like um, Cyclonus going all like jazz there for a second, making up a word when at the end when he tells like the Decepticons to annihilate them, like <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> combine, eliminate, and annihilate? Like, like again, like I, like I said it at the beginning, but man, like Optimus Prime doesn't know shit in this episode. He's just like you know, what does that mean? mean optimus i don't know like where did they go optimus i don't know like what do we do optimus i don't know like he says it like three or four times over the course of this three-parter i think i think the wiki jokes like they resurrected him without like brains or something or maybe if they if it was like the marvel comics his mind was like compressed onto a floppy disk so he only had like he lost something in the uh... <laughs> he, only, he only had 800 kilobytes yeah <laughs> Yeah, so many megabytes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like these cryptic messages, right? Where they're they're just saying, "Oh, just do this thing. We swear it's gonna work out." And it's like it doesn't doesn't sound like a good idea, but they told me to do it, like so I better do it. Yeah, like I I wish they found a better way to like 
make the target master concept work because like it never made sense to me that it's like you know cyclonus is like you know attack and then he throws his gun at the enemy <laughs> like you know what they had to do and they did it and when you know when the headmasters attack is like if cyclonus transformed to jet mode and then attacked and then nightstick mm-hmm. could attack independently like that right. that would be an advantage but like He's like friggin' throwing Pokemon into battle or something like. Nightstick, I choose you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's almost like the opposite concept of Megatron and Shockwave, right? I mean, they were obviously there's that precedent set there of uh, turning into guns, but you know yeah. they're in robot mode firing, and then it's like, oh shit, shit just got real. Megatron transformed into gun mode, and now Soundwave's gonna shoot him, right? Um, this is the opposite. It's like, eh, I could shoot you, but I'm going to throw my little mini gun at you to transform and kick your shins. It'd be like, uh, uh, devastators out there in battle. And then he, he walks back and he picks up, <laughs> he stops, uh, punching Omega Supreme and he walks back and he picks up rumble <laughs> and grabs rumble and throws him at Omega Supreme. Here you take him. So, yeah. Uh, not well thought out, but yeah, obviously the transformed and then had him do it. The much better concept. I, w- I wonder if they could have ever played with the idea that Autobots work with their partners better than Decepticons do. You know, just just the idea that like you know that they were trying to establish in the beginning where Daniel helps Hot Rod win the race, but it's like if you know, I mean, they do play with it a little bit, right? Because there's those moments where they have internal conflict where like fracas is like you know i don't take orders from you i take orders from zarek you know and, and they're they're getting into it so like that that was one of those things where I, I i had that moment where i was like fuck me would you want your gun to be arguing with you like i don't think i could handle that yeah, like, like i, I felt like i was like dude very I inefficient like, yeah. i was like cyclonus you made a fucked up deal <laughs> like, you, you you fucked up man because like now your gun can like fly in the air and shoot you if it disagrees with you like i was like this is this is i'm like this deal's getting worse all the time you know like i'm like this is bad you know because because we were like immature teenagers or whatever like me and my friends always used to make fun of the bit where uh rc takes the key from scourge and she's like reaching down to his like crotch area and she's like give it to me scourge (laughs) they're like whoa rc whoa like you got a kid in your head now like you gotta be you know more appropriate this i mean there's a lot there's a lot of weird stuff and you know i i I think we've said this before about when we talked about other sunbow episodes but it's like you know nostalgia kind of like lets me forgive a lot of this stuff like you know i still it's still very entertaining to watch yeah, I, I, I think like uh, I mean, th- th- that was me trying to explain it. But, you know, n- new toy sheen. And like to me, I think the voice acting is great. And the delivery of all these kind of wacky uh, like even that, like Susan Blue doing the, you know, give it to me, Scourge, you know, like whatever it is. Like, I just I don't know. I, I like the intonations. Like, I guess I just got accustomed to to a lot of those things. So I don't really I don't really mind regardless of the animation or anything like all the voice actors infused a lot of personality into the characters, you know? So yeah, I don't know for, for, for me, that's what, 
that that's what sells it. You know, even even all the Derek's crew or whatever. You know, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, though, was it's 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 interesting to me because I, I felt like the, the one exchange when they they finally, you know, I don't know, merge, if that's the right word. But it's like, you know, mind wipe like he's the one guy that like seems to be in charge of his nebulin, whereas everybody else is like either. I don't know, freaked out about it or or, you know, probably from Zarek's perspective, you know, they're in charge of these animals or whatever. Right. But like to me, mind wipe, it's like he's talking to his dude and he's like, yes, master, you know, like like he's using his hypnotic powers on his own binary bonded partner or something. I mean, there's a hint of like the story potential that they never really explored in that, like, uh, you know, mind wipe is sort of into like mystical things. And his partner, uh, uh, Vorath, I think it is, is like a scientist or whatever. So, you know, you know, magic versus science like but they never, you know, aside from, you know, the, those brief things like they never really explored that too much. I also I was looking and it, it apparently it's true. Like David Wise is obviously a Doctor Who fan because that one hive guy is like, you know, when he sees the nebulins, he's oh, like, yeah. exterminate, exterminate. exterminate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought of that this time too. Anything else about this episode or should we move on to the last one? Yeah, let's do episode three. Or episode ninety eight. See if if this was five parts, a Transformers would have ended on episode one hundred. They couldn't do that. All right, let me read this summary. We'll see how accurate it is. With the arrival of Scorponok, the Autobots scatter, but RC and Daniel are captured. As the Decepticons depart in Scorponok, Optimus Prime orders the Autobots to move out. However, Spike insists on letting him and Cerebro stay behind. Though Optimus believes that Spike is their only hope if Galvatron should activate the plasma energy chamber, he relents. On Cybertron, Ultra Magnus' forces are fighting off the Decepticons, but the tide is turned when the Headmasters and Target Masters arrive, allowing Galvatron to claim victory. Scourge and Cyclonus explain what happened on Nebulos, but Galvatron is so disgusted that he's on the verge of reducing all the Nebulans to scrap. However, Zarek explains that he has the key to Vector Sigma and has control over Scorponok. Though still disgusted, Galvatron agrees to at least talk while ordering a new planetary engine called on Cybertron to be activated. Zarek prepares to torture Daniel, but RC gives them the key. Heading for Cybertron, Optimus receives a vision from the spirit of Alpha Trion telling the Autobot leader to preserve the key at all costs. However, Hot Rod and Cup inform Prime that Cybertron has disappeared. Realizing Galvatron's intentions, Optimus orders the shuttle to head for Earth. On Cybertron, which has entered the Sol system, Galvatron reveals that he intends to activate the plasma energy chamber and let the energy spread out and cause the sun to supernova, destroying Earth and Cybertron. On Nebulos, Spike and Cerebros locate the Hive City and begin using long-abandoned controls to begin modifying it. Landing on Cybertron, the Autobots discover that their comrades have had their power packs removed and that their lives will end if they do not get immediate energy on. The Nebulans think that they should just destroy the key, lest the released energy reach Nebulos. 
However, Prime remains adamant, explaining that Vector Sigma has a plan. Unwilling to take the risks, the Nebulans simply abandon the Autobots and head to destroy the key, pursued by the weaponless and headless Autobots. However, they are attacked by the Decepticons, who are preparing to leave the planet. Just then, Spike and Cerebros arrive in the hive-converted city, which transforms into Fortress Maximus, with Spike and Cerebros as its components. Fortress Maximus engages Scorponok, causing the Decepticons and the Hive to flee. Spike and the Nebulans deactivate the plasma energy chamber, but not before it sends a wave of energy into the sun. Working quickly, Spike and the Nebulans begin preparing Vector Sigma to absorb the excess solar energy. Pumping it straight into the supercomputer, it directs the energy into Cybertron's storage capacitors, resulting in the complete revitalization of Cybertron. As Cerebros reactivates, he begs Spike to deactivate him, no longer wishing to endure the Great War. However, Spike tells him that Cybertron has been revitalized. Optimus declares that the Headmasters and Targetmasters are to become the Guardians of Nebulos and to destroy the Hive's machines. When this is done, Cerebros will become the Guardian of Nebulos and live in peace. Scorponok has survived the destruction, and it is obvious that Galvatron and Zarek do not see eye to eye. Galvatron plans to raid hundreds of worlds and destroy Cybertron and then conquer the universe, but Zarek doubts that Galvatron will be ruler of the galaxy. As the would-be tyrants bicker, Nebulos stands free, and Cybertron begins a second golden age under the rule of Optimus and the Autobots. The end. So yeah, that's a little sketchy, but basically that's what happens. I mean, obviously, me and like ever since this podcast has begun, me and Derek have uh, had our bit where you know I'll just randomly ask <laughs> Derek who will rule the galaxy. Me, it is my destiny. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've been doing that for like ten years now, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> In fact, I almost picked as my avatar the yelling Galvatron, but I knew Derek would beat me to it, so I didn't. <laughs> it's weird. The wiki tries to say that Wise recycled that from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I, I plopped in the, the DVD, and basically the, the one bit that's reused is, I think, Krang says, we shall see to Shredder at some point at the end of that five-parter, but I'm like, it's not like they have the exact same exchange. It's like that what him and Zarek both say we shall see, but the Zarek delivery is much cooler, you know. He's like, We shall see, Galvatron, we shall see. You know, so Wise has uh, recycled uh, stuff, I think uh something like uh Rise of the Machines or Day of the Machines. That exact episode title he's he, and basic plot he's reused in like four different shows, but I would not uh list the end of, you know, the original Ninja Turtles five parter and then the end of this three parter as being the same so yeah. that's that's a stretch for sure but yeah. lucky i mean i i dig i dig the the fight between scorpionok and fortress maximus and everything i think again with the the you know this is more of a fist bump one-liner than a than a you know wahaha one-liner but i i do you know i do like when when spike's like watch this scrap for brains you know and then he transforms so that's part of that whole you know, power trip fantasy where you're like, oh, that'd be so sweet if I could 
out headmaster some other asshole, you know, and punch them and everything. The only thing that I that always weirded me out about that was he talks about how he's got his son and his headmaster partner in his jail cells, and then Spike proceeds to beat the crap out of them. And I, if for some reason, you'd think like, like that that might cause you more hesitation to unload on the guy if he's got your son inside him. Because like, what if you accidentally like, you know, punch the shoulder that has the son's, uh, you know, jail cell or whatever the hell, you know, like that kind of thing. But I mean, you know, that's the only thing I, I probably overthought when I watched this, but, but I mean, I think, you know, most of this stuff, I think I just dug, I mean, I, I dug Galvatron freaking out when he finds out, you know, what, what the Decepticons did where he's like, I will eliminate these fucking cohabitating bodies. And that would have been a cool, like, sort of, you know, Optimus and Spike could have been at odds, like, as to over what to do. And, I mean, they kind of are, but, like, it's like Spike just kind of steamrolls over any of Optimus's like, objections or whatever. It's like, no, like, I'm going to go rescue my son. Bye-bye. And, like, Optimus is like, wait, like, the entire solar system is going to blow up, dude. Like, Derek, you mentioned that... uh this was like a spiritual success uh, successor of Ultimate Doom, which is kind of the a little bit of clunkier, but some some cool uh, one line parts and stuff. Uh, obviously, there is the parallel there too the uh, Cybertron, Cybertron approaching Earth's, Earth's, Earth's uh, orbit. orbit there. Yeah, yeah. Not shown as all the Decepticons setting up uh, Energon Cube collectors to <laughs> harvest uh, the Earth's atmosphere, uh, ripping itself apart as the uh, impeding. Uh, gravitational pull of Cybertron gets closer. There's there's not the cutscene where the throttle bots are surfing on uh, on Earth. No. Dr. Archival's lab. You have a call back to Dr. Archival. How do you, you know, suggest I, mean, I get there? Roll on my roller skates? Yeah. That's, that's probably how Spike got to the plasma energy chamber again. He must have skated down there because he gets there in like two seconds flat. Well, you know, we 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 mock Acom's like animation a lot, but one 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 bit I think is super slick, and it's like a like stylistic choice. But when like Fortress Maximus arrives and he like flies over Scorponok and the oh, light yeah, like yeah, passes, yeah. Over, yeah. like that's a friggin' awesome shot. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice shot. So I mean, they have some sense of style. I mean, I I I don't know. Like I said, I didn't I didn't go out on my way to read all the quote-unquote animation errors the wiki points out but like i don't i don't think this is you know this is certainly you know not as bad as other episodes yeah i i think you know the the animation was fine my my biggest thing is more of the coloring quality it almost just mm. looks like they have like too much black and all the colors but it just mm. it just kind of looks dirty in comparison especially you know you could see if that was a stylistic choice for a certain atmospheres or setting but you know with uh kind of taking on place on like a the jungle planet of nebulous and stuff it's the the background and everything kind of seems to be bright and well lit and uh, you just kind of have like this dirty yellow filter over everything and i just wonder if they just have black as in all the pigment colors or, or something but it just it just looks a little grittier or darker and that's really kind of my only major nitpick with uh the the look of the episodes overall i mean you're gonna have like the minor things with the wrong character's mouths moving or the you know the character talking doesn't match the voice but those are not as prevalent as they've been in other acom episodes so 
I think your joke was right that they kind of got their shit together just in time for the show to end. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Did it did it bother you that, uh, or I don't know if anybody thought about this too much, but there is that point where you know clearly Galvatron's forces on Cybertron have been victorious. You know, you've got Ultra Magnus making his last brave stand, saying, "Oh, if only, you know, if only Optimus hadn't left us to go to Nebulos and all that other stuff." And and eventually they do find at least Ultra Magnus and there there's a kind of a throwaway line like they'll die without Energon and presumably everybody gets Energon and they're all cheering at the end because of you know what happens with the 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 renewed Golden Age and everything. But w- was there ever a moment where you're like oh crap or, or like because Galvatron has a line where you know when when he's mad about the Nebulans you know he's like you know. Cyclonus is kind of like, well, with them, we're, we're ten times as more powerful. And 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 Galvatron's response is like, there are no more Autobots. You know, like basically insinuating, like, dude, uh, aside from, you know, the guys on Nebulos, like we killed them all. Like, so who gives a shit? He's like, I'm gonna blow these creepy creatures right out of you. You know, like, so it's like, I I, I don't know. There there was that aspect where you're kind of like, oh crap. Like, is Ultra Magnus like sitting there in a sea of dead bodies or whatever you know depending on you know what version it is you know or or who's uh who's interpreting it but i i assume most of them because it's you know the the whole you know weekday afternoon cartoon deal it's like they 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 all got better and because of the the uh you know renewed golden age that that would be my no prize you know they all get uh as much energon as they need to continue living instead of you know slowly wasting away but I remember there was that instinct in me when I saw that where I was like, oh, crap, did did Galvatron actually, like, kill everybody, like, except for the people on Nebulos? Yeah, I guess since uh, I viewed it later, and by that point I would have read every episode synopsis mm-hmm. online. I didn't I didn't get that suspense or kind of that, uh, that drama, I guess, built in there. And obviously the, just knowing the, the history and how everybody reacted to the death of some of the Autobots in uh, the movie. It, it's hard to disconnect that, uh, I guess, going in. So I feel like none of the characters really in too much jeopardy. So unfortunately, my age just kind of ruined that, that built-in suspense. Yeah, you can tell you could tell the aerial bots and protectobots aren't on toy shelves anymore. They both get like taken out. Like I think yeah. the aerial bots get taken out like multiple times. Over yeah, the it's, it's once each episode, episode, I think. Yeah. Like the red tornado of uh, the Autobots in this. I always, I always thought it was weird that like you know there's that one scene where like the Combaticons show up and onslaughts like you know oh we've completed that construction on the other side of the planet or whatever. I'm like you still like the Constructicons showed up in the first episode like you still had those character models like why didn't the Constructicons make do the construction but whatever I guess yeah. Swindle came in and underbid them on the project. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> hey, I know. what do you want I, me to do with these guys? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Did they use the term power pack in this episode? You know, oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, we, we, we have a use uh, for their power packs. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah, like they're yeah. going to fuel the rocket or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All I can think of is the damn uh, Malaysian jo- uh, dub. Of, oh, uh, yeah. Rodimus, hold the power pack above your head. Yeah. <laughs> the power pack. 
everything was the power. The Matrix was the power pack. Like, Energon Cubes was the power packs. Like, they couldn't, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, if it was, like, I, I keep thinking of, like, all these, like, scenes. If, if the Malaysian dub, like, you know, dubbed it. Like, you know, like, uh. If Onslaught came up to Galvatron, it'd be like, oh, sir, look, there's something I have to tell you. Like, what? What is it? Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> uh, we built something for you. Oh, you built something, huh? Why are you telling me this now? You need to, like, cusp your hand more and sell it, you know? Yeah, you gotta talk. If they have a faceplate, they have to talk like this. Yeah. Hey, Galvatron, I'm going to send you to hell. Oh, wow, that was almost, like, pitch perfect. Yeah. I forgot to all the 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 sending to hell. Once once they got on that shtick, it was like every uh, every dialogue scene ended with uh, that in the Decepticon headquarters. I sh- I should bust those out and see what my seven year old thinks of those. Spike, why don't you just turn off my power pack? I don't want to live. Goodbye. That's true. Like Optimus would all be like, Sparkle, what are you doing, Sparkle? I have to rescue Danny, Prime. Decepticons, prepare to face Spaceship Bruce. (laughs) What's the boys don't cry line? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Danny. So, Daniel. Boys boys can cry, but not out loud. Be a man, Danny. Be a man. There used to. I wonder if that Twitter account still runs. It was just random quotes from that. I, I assume it was Brian Kilby doing it because it was around the time that he had the whatever happened to the headmasters, where they were going through. He, you know, he would. I don't know I, if you guys yeah, ever listened to that podcast. There's a, there's a, I, I I preserved a bunch of clips like on YouTube, like for, from it. Like a lot of people did, but I've got some up there. Sparkle. Danny, boys can cry, but not out loud. Men don't cry. They only get stronger. Come on now. Brave men don't cry. You know. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta read it like Batfleck. Men don't cry. <laughs> Robin, boys can cry, but not out loud. The, the wiki has that whole exchange. <laughs> you know, the, the commentary and it's Sparkle emotionally cripples his son while dying. <laughs> Danny, boys can cry, but not out loud. Men don't cry, they only get stronger. Father! Come on now, brave men don't cry, you know. I'm not crying, I won't cry, I won't! I promise I'll be strong, Father! Don't, don't. But uh, I, I don't know, like Derek, did you when you watched this the first time? Did you know it was like the last episode, or did you have an inkling of that, or a little bit? Like, like because the the whole golden age of Cybertron, like I, I just felt like, oh, like that. So I mean, it seemed like this kind of you know, like they were doing the Ewok victory dance at the end of Return of the Jedi. So like there was that. That you know, like that. That's why I thought it was like slightly a disconnect. Because like, if they had ended it on that, then it would have been the end of Return of the Jedi. But imagine like Return of the Jedi ends, but then the Emperor's like, "Guess what? I'll be back in the next one." <laughs> you know, like like that's basically that's kind of how this ends. And so that led me to believe, like, oh, maybe there will be you know more 
you know, more episodes or whatever. And that's why, you know, it was easy for me to buy Darth Vader and the Emperor Palpatine were like just flying the friggin' Death Star away. Like, <laughs> Darth Vader's like, who will rule the galaxy? <laughs> me. Me. Either one of you see the season five version then with, with Tommy wanting to be made into a headmaster and then Optimus yeah, Prime just flying I, I've off. Watched I've watched all of those like segments. Like there's some YouTube, I think, compilation of all those segments that I watched just because I had never seen them before. And I was like, you know, yeah. And, and it's funny because they're always like plugging new toys in those too. Like Optimus always uses new toys as an excuse to get away from like Tommy Kennedy. Like he's just always like, you know, Oh, like I would like stay here in this barren wasteland with you, Tommy, but like, I have to go help Joyride with something. I have to go repair landmine. Like Tommy's like, please bring food. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I don't have food, Tommy, but here have this Stan Bush music video to amuse yourself. (laughs) You, you can't you can't eat a Stambush music video? Is that what no, you're telling I guess me? No, Nope. Dare to believe you can eat a Stambush music video. I, I figured this was the last episode when I watched it on sci-fi because, like, it, it went straight to more than meets the eye number one after mm. it. So, like, I, yeah, I was just like, oh, well, I guess that was the end. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, like... It's a, again, like, I mean, there's, there's problems with it. It's got wacky science like the Ultimate Doom does. Like, friggin' Spike, like, plan makes no fucking sense. Like, you know, oh, there's a giant rocket. Can we just reverse it so it's a giant suction cup, basically, instead? Like, you know, like, I guess so. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, that's the kind of crazy shit that sounds like it'll work. Like, you know, uh, but whatever, Dude, what, you Spike, know, Spike nostalgia. Can't be the driver of the Transformers universe. Uh, no, like, I, I guess he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't help but you know still like these episodes, even yeah. though they're probably some of the weaker ones. Yeah, I just I you know like I said, it, it, for me it's it's got that new toy sheen. It's got like all these you know to me like like great delivery of these witty one liners and everything. All the characters have a lot of great personality and stuff like that so again too i guess it's it's probably easy to overlook right but i mean aside from metroplex and Trypticon, uh this this would be what the second kind of titan-esque battle we had before they were ever calling them titans you know like so i mean and and just the the excitement over something like that you know just the the I guess the sheer level of scale and, and, you know, the idea that, you know, the, these were big city bots that were going to, you know, have a big throwdown. Like that was something that was just super fun. Like, like to me, whether, whether or not you buy into the power trip fantasy of I'm spike and I'm turning into Cerebros and turning into Fortress Maximus, like regardless, you got your two robots throwing down and they were the biggest robots that you'd seen from the Autobots and Decepticons, at least, you know, not counting, you know, Unicron, right? Like, so that, that again, like, like any good sequel, right? It's, it's trying to escalate and dial it up to 11, right? So, I mean, as far as that goes, I, I, I think it, it did deliver on that front. Yeah. Kyle, do you have any like final thoughts on the rebirth as a whole, I guess? 
Yeah. So for me, especially when I you know, do these episodes or if I, I just sit here and think about uh, Transformers fiction in general, I, I ask myself about some of these G1 episodes. Would this pass the Rob Kelly continuity test? So I said that, uh, you know, Rob is uh, notorious for shitting on <laughs> Transformers and them just being boxes, right? And so obviously, Derek, you've introduced him to some Transformers stuff. I think you guys uh, at Boston Comic-Con, uh, you guys watched uh, the animated movie, and I know you've done uh, More Than Meets the Eye Treasury with him before. Um, so I, I kind of, as I go through some of these episodes in my, my head, and as I rewatch them, I think, is this something that would be essential for the Transformers lore? Like if you were to distill all of G1 down to, I don't know, a top 15, 20, maybe 25 episodes along with the movie in there to tell the narrative, would this episode make the cut? Uh, so I mean, I'm, it's, I'm, it's kind of, it's kind of unfair. It's like watching the last episode of MASH, right? Like, yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, would this, would this be the conclusion if I was to sit Rob down in a room and make him watch Transformers for 15 hours a day, <laughs> consume and say, there you go. Here's the gist, right? Here's the distilled G1 cartoon continuity. You're going to walk out of here with everything I, you need to know. What like, I you, haven't even, these. you haven't even and done think, this to him, and I, I already feel bad. Like, like. Well, it, was, it would be like... <laughs> Here you go. Five five years down the road, you're wondering what to do for Transformers Tuesdays, and you decide you're just going to do episode commentary with Rob, and you're going to distill it down to what you think is needed to get from More Than Meets the Eye Part 1 to a defined conclusion to say, this is the important stuff. And so when I look at this from a fiction standpoint, even though I, I like a lot of the character stuff in here, it's great for a introduction to a ton of characters that some got more mileage in the comics, some didn't, um, but all were some pretty awesome toys. There's a lot of kind of new inventive stuff on the toy concept here. You know, again, with, uh, kind of the next wave of triple changers with like Snapdragon and Ape Face and the six changer. It's the six shot. Obviously, that continued a trend that was just awesome going forward. Um, <laughs> What was the Autobot counterpart they came up with uh, a year or two later? Oh, the, quick switch. Yeah, that's not a good toy. No, <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> But, um, you know, the Headmaster gimmick, the Target Master gimmick, um, the punch counter punch, you know, two robot modes with the single vehicle mode, all pr- the, the clones, uh, some pretty cool um, toy stuff. And, you know, I, I think when we compress the timeline in our head and we look at this, you know, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of the end of Transformers or the beginning of the end. But when you look at this, I mean, the Transformers comic, right, ran for 80 issues. Yeah. Issue 38 came out two weeks. Well, actually, it's my birthday, the day I was born, came out like, you know, 14 days after, 13 days after the last episode yeah. aired. Yeah. So we're not only we're not into the halfway point of the Transformers comic run. Um, so, you know, Transformers had more life in it. Um, yeah. I mean, there was much more product being distributed long after this. The cartoon ended. Yep, more more pro- more toy product for sure, and, and more fiction. So, I I guess going back to that, um, I do not think it would make the the Rob Kelly cut list um, because it, again, introduce a lot of cool characters, but he's not going to read the the Marvel comics, so that's his his endpoint. So, what is a stronger, more concise 
endpoint this or return of optimus prime and i think it would be return of optimus prime would be where i would i would end the the rob kelly torture tour but mm. <laughs> uh, i mean that, but that, from that a, kind a of toy standpoint I, I think it is very uh important and so in the greater transformers lore outside of just the the g1 cartoon fiction i i think it's very important and uh holds up uh, on that front because I think it does the trick of introducing a bunch of characters to the cartoon audience and making them funny, uh, conniving, um, interesting and, and individualistic enough that you would want to run out and buy the toy. So mixed bag. Yeah. yeah no, no, I think I, I, I concur with that because it is, it, you know, it, it wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. It probably started out in its infancy as this is going to be a five-part episode that's going to introduce a bunch of new toys and we'll we'll kick off, you know, a, a, another season of umpty ump episodes, you know, another 26 episodes or something like that. And then by the time those two episodes got pulled and they said, "Look, you're going to have to wrap this up." Then then it slightly shifted gears to being a, a finale, but like you say, like pr- probably it would probably make more more sense if you you know if, if if you were gonna not try to torture somebody to to end it on return of optimus prime i suppose but i mean if, if if you're a fan of transformers and you're a fan of all those characters and you are gonna read the comics and you want to get inundated with all the lore i mean this is this you know in and of itself is a novelty for you know like you said looking at those transformers catalogs and being like ooh you know punch counterpunch came out in this wave and you know the the headmasters and the target masters and the throttle bots and computron and you know like whoever was on the little catalog right like that that was the 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 kind of you know the you know as as a as a very very condensed boy catalog commercial that has a lot of, you know, I guess, character and personality thrown into it. Like, it, to me, it's, it. I don't know, again, you know, maybe a lot of nostalgia talking, but it, you know, to me, it, it, it it's, it's always going to be a little entertaining, you know? It's a miracle we finally got this flying junk pile of yours stabilized! You were the idiot who opened the plasma energy chamber, Galvatron. Silence! There is much to do. We will attack other planets. We will suck them dry. We will rebuild the planet a hundred times more powerful than Cybertron. And I will rule the galaxy! Who will rule the galaxy? So yeah, I guess I guess that's it. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Kyle. Uh, Thank you, Kyle. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Derek, why don't you do our usual thingamajig? Roger Dodger, Michael. Roger Dodger, Michael. And so, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, uh, you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes for Transformers Tuesdays. You can check them out over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We can be found on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We appreciate all the hearts, shares, likes, and retweets that we receive. 
And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Sweet. So this is Mike saying, uh, watch out for my Autobot counterpart. I hear he's nearby. Real nearby. As in right over there. Because he's me. Oh, but I shouldn't have said that last part. <laughs> this is Derek, Derek WC, and I'm going to blow those creepy critters clear out of you. Signing off. Say goodbye, Kyle. Sorry, I was trying to get this oversized shopping center in the air. Now! <laughs> We've been getting many of the, uh, I guess it'd be McFarlane now that has the DC license. I mean, how are those figures? Some Hells. of those just kind of look. No. Some of those just kind of look shitty in the packaging. I'm like, eh, nah, I'm good. It's like, to be perfectly honest, I, I've barely been tempted by any of those figures. It's like, um, they're all um, seven inch scale, so none of them fit with the hundreds of uh, thousands of figures they have. They're freaks! Yeah, they're freaks. <laughs>